0: On this program, we are featuring one of the great stars of motion pictures, stage, and radio, Orson Welles. October is Halloween time, but with a star like Orson Welles, any time is the time for spooks, goblins, and what have you. Twenty years ago, Mr. Wells appeared on the popular Suspense program in a story that was guaranteed to send a chill up and down the spine. And that's what we're recreating on this program as we present Orson Welles in The Hitchhiker.
1: The Columbia Network takes pleasure in bringing you
2: Suspense.
1: Good evening. This is Orson Welles. I'm very happy I am to be back in the United States and back on the Columbia Network, even for so short a visit as this one. The Mercury Theater presented tonight's radio play for the first time last year. We came right out then and hailed it as a classic of the medium. Nobody argued the point. A lot of people asked us to do it again, so it's gratifying to get the chance now and to find a favorite of ours in this distinguished anthology of spook shows. Personally, I've never met anybody who didn't like a good ghost story. The tingling, it's to be hoped, will be quite audible as you listen tonight to The Hitchhiker. That's the name of our story, The Hitchhiker. I'm in an auto camp on Route 66, just west of Gallup, New Mexico. If I tell it, perhaps it'll help me, keep me from going, going crazy got to tell this quickly. I'm not crazy now. I feel perfectly well except that I'm running at slight temperature. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age, unmarried, tall, dark with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Buick license number 6Y175189. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know that I'm at this moment perfectly sane. But it's not me who's gone mad. It's something else something utterly beyond my control. I'd love to speak quickly. At any minute, the link may break. This may be the last thing I ever tell on Earth. The last night I ever see the stars. Six days ago, I left Brooklyn to drive to California.
3: Goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy.
1: Goodbye, Mother. Here, give me a kiss, and I'll go.
3: I'll come out with you to the car.
1: Oh no, it's raining. Stay here at the door. Oh. <laughs> hey, what's this, dears? I thought you'd promised me you wouldn't cry.
3: Oh, I, I know, dear. I, I'm sorry, but I I do hate to mother, see you. Boy. I'll be
1: back. It'll only be the, on the coast three months.
3: Oh, it isn't that. It's, it's just the trip, Ronald. I wish you weren't driving. Oh, mother,
1: there you go again. People do it every day. I know,
3: but. You'll be careful, won't you? Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep or drive fast or pick up any strangers on the road. Of oh,
1: gosh. you think I was still 17 here, you two.
3: Oh. And why? I mean, as soon as you get to Hollywood. Of won't you, son?
1: Of course I will. Don't you worry. Isn't anything going to happen. It's just eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads with a hot dog or a hamburger stand every 10 miles. I was in fine spirits The drive ahead of me Even the loneliness Seemed like a lark I reckoned without him Crossing Brooklyn Bridge That morning in the rain I saw a man Leaning against the cables He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled down over his eyes. I would have forgotten him completely except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least, he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb pointing west. I couldn't figure out how he got there, but I thought probably one of those fast trucks had picked him up, beat me to the skyway and let him off. I didn't stop for him. Then late that night, I saw him again. It's on the new Pennsylvania Turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him standing under an arc light by the side of the road. I'd seen quite distinctly the bag, the cap. Even the spots of fresh rain spattered over his shoulders. He hallooed at me, this time. Hello! Hello! I stepped on the gas like a shot. That's lonely country, of the Alleghenies, and I had no intention of stopping. Besides the coincidences or whatever it was. To the willies. Stop at the next gas station.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, fill her up. Certainly, sir. Check your oil, sir? No, thanks. Nice
1: night, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Hasn't been raining here recently, has it?
2: Not a drop of rain all week.
1: Oh? Oh, I, I suppose that doesn't done your business any harm.
2: Oh, people drive through here all kinds of weather. Mostly business, you know. There aren't many pleasure cars out on the turnpike this season of the year. I suppose not. What, uh, uh, uh
1: what about hitchhikers?
2: <laughs> hitchhikers here?
1: What's the matter? Don't you ever see any?
2: Not much. If we did, it'd be a sight for sore eyes. Why? Oh, a guy'd be a fool who started out to hitch rides on this road. Look at it. Then, you've never seen anybody? No. Maybe they get the lift before the turnpike starts. I mean, you know, just before the toll house. But then it'd be a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't want to pick up a guy for that long a ride. And you know, this is pretty lonesome country here. Mountains and woods. You ain't seen anybody like that, have you? Oh uh, no. Oh, no, not, not at all. It's just a uh, uh, technical question. <laughs> I see. Well, that'll be just $1. forty-nine with the tax.
1: The thing gradually passed from my mind a sheer coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man all next day until just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It's a bright, sunshiny afternoon, the peaceful Ohio fields, brown with the autumn stubble, a gleaming in the golden light. I was driving slowly, drinking it in, when the road suddenly ended in a detour. In front of the barrier, he was standing. Let me explain about his appearance before I go on. I repeat, there was nothing sinister about him. He was as drab as a mud fence. nor was his attitude menacing. He merely stood there, waiting, almost drooping a little with cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours. And he looked up. He hailed me. He started to walk forward.
2: Hello? 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 <coughs> Hello?
1: No, uh, not just now. Sorry. Go to California? No, not today. The other way. Going to New York. Sorry. After I got the car back on the road again, I felt like a fool. Yet the thought of picking him up, of having him sit beside me, it was somehow unbearable. At the same time, I felt more than ever unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by. Fields, the towns ticked off one by one. The light changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. I was in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri now. Few resort places there were closed, only an occasional log cabin, seemingly deserted. That's all that broke the monotony of the wild, wooded landscape. And I had seen him at that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again. Maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew that when I saw him next, I would run him down. Next afternoon, stopped a car at a sleepy little junction just across the border into Oklahoma to let a train pass by, when he appeared across the tracks, leaning against a telephone pole. Perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun. Yet there were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't even look up at me. He was staring at the ground. I stepped on the gas car, bearing the wheel sharply toward him. I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care then. Something went wrong with the car. The train was coming closer. I could hear its bell ringing and the cry of its whistle. Still, he stood there. And now I know that he was beckoning, beckoning me to my death. Oh, I frustrated him that time. I started worked, at last managed to back up. When the train passed, he was gone. I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was, or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on, I mustn't let myself alone on the road for one minute. Uh, hello there. Like a ride?
3: Well, what do you think? How far are you
1: going? Uh, where do you want to go?
3: Amarillo, Texas. I'll drive you there. Gee! Uh, do uh, you mind if I take off my shoes? My dogs are killing
1: go me. Go right ahead. Oh,
3: gee, what a break there. Hit I hitchhike much? Sure, only it's tough sometimes and these great open spaces to get
1: the break. Yeah, I should think it would be though. I'll bet you get a good pickup in a fast car. If you did, you could get places faster than say another person in another car, could not you? I don't get you. Well, take me for instance. Suppose I'm I'm driving across the country, say at a nice steady clip about 45 miles an hour. I couldn't Couldn't a girl like you just standing beside the road waiting for less beat me to town or any town, provided she got picked up every time in a car doing from 65 to 70 miles an hour?
3: I don't know. What difference does it make? Oh,
1: no, difference just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car.
3: <laughs> Imagine spending your time in a swell car thinking of things like that.
1: What would you do instead?
3: What would I do? If I was a good-looking fellow like yourself, why, well, I, I just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and, and relax. And if I saw a good-looking girl along the side of the... Oh, look out! Did you see him?
1: A man standing beside the barbed wire fence.
3: Oh, I didn't see anybody. I... There wasn't nothing but a bunch of cows and a and wire fence. No? What did you think you was doing, trying to run into the barbed There's wire fence? a man fence? there,
1: I tell you, a thin gray man with an overnight bag in his hand. And I, I was trying to run him down.
3: Run him down? You
1: say you didn't see him back there? You sure?
3: I didn't see it so. <laughs> as far as I
1: Watch for concerns. him the next time, and keep watching. Keep your eyes peeled on the road. He'll turn up again. Maybe any minute. There!
2: Look there! <laughs>
3: this door work. I, I'm getting out Did of here. Did you see him that time? No, I didn't see him that time. And personally, mister, I don't expect never to see him. All I want to do is go on living. I don't see how I will very long, driving with you. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. I didn't... I I don't know what came over me, but please don't go. So
3: if you'll excuse me... You Mr. can't
1: go. Listen, how would you like to go to California? I'll drive you to California. Seeing
3: pink elephants all the way? No, thanks. Uh-uh. Thanks, just the same. Listen, please.
1: Just just one minute, please. You know what
3: I think you need, big boy? Not a girlfriend. Just a good dose of... Spin. Please. There. I got it now. No, you can't go. Please. Come Leave your back. hands off me. Do you hear me? Please.
1: Leave your hands off... She ran from me. As I were a monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up. I knew then that I was utterly alone. It was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after the truck went by. I tried to figure out what to do, how to get hold of myself. I could find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car for a few hours along the side of the road. I was getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket when I saw him coming toward me emerging from the herd of moving steer. Hello! Maybe I should have spoken to him then. Thought it out then and there. For now he began to be everywhere. Wherever I stopped, even for a moment, for gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, sandwich... He was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. I was sitting near the drinking fountain, a little camping spot, just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo reservation where I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque when I bought 20 gallons of gas. I was... I was afraid to stop, though. I began to drive faster and faster. I was... in in lunar landscape now. The great arid Mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. Now he didn't even wait for me to stop. Unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over those endless roads, he waited for me at every other mile. I'd see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me still in the same attitude, over the cold, lifeless ground, flitting over dried up rivers, over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals, flitting in that pure and cloudless air. I was beside myself when I finally reached Gallup, New Mexico this morning. There's an auto camp here. Cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone. I had the feeling that if only I could speak to someone familiar, someone I loved, I could pull myself together.
3: Your call, please. Long distance. Long distance, certainly. This is long distance.
1: I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to put in a call to my home in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Ronald Adams. I'm a, the, the number is Beachwood 20828.
3: Certainly. I will try to get it for you.
1: I'd read somewhere that love could banish demons. It was the middle of the morning. I knew Mother would be home. I pictured her tall and white-haired in her crisp house dress, going about her tasks. Be enough, I thought, just to hear the even calmness
3: of her voice. Will you please deposit 85 cents for the first three minutes? Ready with Brooklyn. Go ahead, please. Hello? Hello? Mrs. Adams' residence. Hello, hello, mother. This is Mrs. Adams' residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please?
1: What? Oh, who's this?
3: This is Mrs. Winnie.
1: Mrs. Winnie, I, I don't know any Mrs. Winnie.
2: Yeah, is this Beechwood
3: 20828?
2: Yes. Uh, where, where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams?
3: Mrs. Adams is not at home. She's still in the hospital. The hospital. Yes. Who is this calling, please? Is it a member of the family?
1: Well, what's she in the hospital for?
3: She's been prostrated for five days. Nervous breakdown. But who is. This nervous boy? breakdown?
1: Well, my mother never was nervous.
3: It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Ronald.
1: Death of her. Death of her oldest son, Ronald? Hey, what's this? What number is
3: this? This is Beechwood 20828. It's all been very sudden. He was killed just six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir.
1: sir. And so... So I'm sitting here in this deserted auto camp in Gallup, New Mexico. I'm trying to think. Trying to get hold of myself. Otherwise, I... I'm going to go crazy. Outside, it's night. The vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa, mountains, prairies, desert. Somewhere among them, he's waiting for me. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am.
0: up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.